title of this message is uh, Justification, Sanctification, Salvation, and Glorification. It'll be a two-part message tonight. I wish to speak about justification and sanctification. Next week, obviously, the latter. And although I will isolate these words and view each separately, they are all connected. As with a chain, if one link is broken, the chain is broken. These words must stay intact and must stay in, co in, connect in connection with the others. I do not undertake the clarification of these words lightly, nor do I do it presumptuously. These words have ignited great debate over the last 2,000 years now. Much of the confusion over the meaning of these words stems from isolating them from how they are used in the entirety of Scripture. The church in Rome had divorced the Tanakh from the New Covenant. The words of Sinai were superseded or replaced by God's words in the New Covenant. Augustine addresses this viewpoint in one of his most famous sayings. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. This little turn of phrase reveals August Augustine's viewpoint, if you will, that the two testaments are contiguous and they cannot be separated. A tree cannot survive if it be removed from the soil in which it grows. There, you can't separate God's word. The new covenant does not reveal a different deity than the God revealed in the Tanakh. If it did, I would need a new Messiah. Rather, the New Covenant is the fulfillment of the promises that were made in the Tanakh. I, I am at a loss as to uh, how this is not understood in an e easily. I, I, I just don't understand. I've had many discussions with learned men over this concept. Many, if not most, of those discussions produced more heat than light. While some opened up the eyes of all the participants to see more clearly, one such discussion took place with a really good and blessed friend who was a professor at CCU. And in this particular discussion, praise God, light was revealed. Although he was half Jewish, his theology was rooted in dispensationalism. And he viewed each covenant that God made with man in isolation, separated from what came before and what came after. They were isolated individual covenants. And he quoted John 
Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 17, as the proof of what he believed. The law was given through Moshe. Grace and truth came through Yeshua. My, my surprise at these words took the form of a series of questions. And I asked him, are you suggesting that John's words imply there was no grace or truth in the, in the Torah or the, the rest of the Tanakh? Did God not show mercy to Israel when he allowed the nephesh, the life of the flesh of an animal, to take the place of, of the death penalty for, for a man? Was that not grace? Was it not grace that caused God to forgive the sins of Israel, which were many? Yet he continually forgave. Was there no grace? Is there no truth in the Torah? Is the creation account false? Are the words of the prophets, the Psalms of David, the Proverbs of Solomon, are they all lies? We spent the next two or three hours in a wonderful conversation. We finally did come to agreement. And once again, we drew upon the words of, of Augustine. In Yeshua was the fullness of grace and truth. Spoken of in the Tanakh, revealed in Yeshua. Yeshua revealed the fullness of grace and truth, which is precisely what the previous verse says. In Yeshua was the fullness of grace revealed. The words justification, sanctification, and salvation reveal a sequence of events that describe the beginning and the end of our walk with God in these physical vessels, these bodies. The word glorification refers to the moment when we leave these physical bodies, either by death or by being taken up, lakach, what, what the church calls the rapture. Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, he speaks of the catching away or the catching up of the saints. So either by death or catching away, this body is gone. We are changed in the twinkling of an eye, either through death or this catching away of the saints. And we go to be with our Lord in the air because, as Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. There has to be some sort of glorification to this body. It has to change. And it is at that moment that our neshama, that breath of God that was breathed into us, returns to the one who first breathed it into us. I want to define some words here. The word justification in Greek is the kaios. It literally means to make righteous. It relates to the Hebrew word tzaddik, which means is translated as righteous, but comes from the root, which means to be straight. 
he re, the Lord references this concept when he talks about the straight and the narrow path that leads to heaven. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 contrasts a proud man with the tzaddik, the righteous man. And he says, the righteous shall live by faith. This concept is rendered in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 as, therefore having been justified, made righteous, the kaios. By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua. God is a just God. And therefore, only the righteous shall be allowed to reside in his house. Mankind cannot achieve righteousness on his own. We were able to alleviate ourselves of righteousness on our own, but we can't get it back. We could get ourselves kicked out of the Garden of Eden, but by our actions, we could not regain ent entrance into Gan Eden. In the Tanakh, a man was justified by the sacrifice of animals. They died, and the law that required the death of the sinner was satisfied. The blood of the animal covered our sin and rendered us just justified before God and our relationship with him was restored we could now come back into the temple we were unclean now we're clean all was right with God again that did not change in the new covenant I've mentioned this on a number of occasions when Yeshua died for my sin I was covered by his blood it was his sacrifice that reconciled me with God. And I was adorned with this garment of his righteousness, which restored my relationship with God. The sacrifice was still there. The only reason we don't have to continue making sacrifice is that he died once and for all. But it's still the blood of Yeshua that reconciles me to God. In a legal context, justification means acquittal or forgiveness, where the opposing sides, in the case of Scripture, God and us, we are reconciled to one another. In both the Tanakh and the Brit HaDashah, the New Covenant, the wages of sin is death. God is merciful and acts graciously throughout the Tanakh as well as the new covenant. The words of Habakkuk are re reiterated by Yeshua in a parable about the humble and the proud. In Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, here is a, a tax gatherer and a Pharisee uh, are praying in the temple. And the proud Pharisee recounts all of his righteous deeds to God, expecting that this will justify him before God. The tax gatherer is humbled by the awareness of his sin. The Pharisee is made proud by the awareness of his good deeds. The tax gatherer has no good deeds. 
and he is humbled by that knowledge and he just he pleads with God he beats his breast he can't even lift his eyes he's pleading with God for forgiveness for mercy in verse 14 Yeshua answers his prayer and his words are poignant I tell you this man went to his house justified the coyotes he was made righteousness he was made righteous not by what he did but by the fact that he humbled himself before the God of the universe he was forgiven made righteous holiness was imputed to him if you will as a Pharisee a doctor of the law Paul's letters to the congregations and especially the one at Rome takes the form of a legal brief it's a legal document a case is being made and it provides us with the biblical definition of justification Romans chapter 3 verses 23 to 24 all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Messiah Yeshua in those few words is the entirety of the gospel revealed justification is a free gift paid for by the sacrifice of someone else it's, it's, it's nothing I did it's a, as a sinner that justification performed by somebody else is free in Greek the word gift and, and, and grace are typically rendered as the same word there are some other words that are used but it's the word charismata in the old Greek and in the new Greek charisma the whole charismatic movement draws from that word and it speaks about the gifts and in the charismatic movement more precisely the word gifts gifts of knowledge prophecy etc Romans chapter 6 verse 23 reiterates this thought the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua our Lord although it is free to us somebody had to pay for this gift it cost God the life of his son we mentioned football earlier you see this at every football game for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe on him shall not perish but have eternal life in Romans chapter 6 Paul contends that God's free gift of justification does not mean that a person can remain in their sin we read this at every mikvah every baptism we do here rather being justified or forgiven he can now start with a clean sl slate he's no longer a slave to sin but a servant of righteousness Romans chapter 22 discusses the sequence of events that lead from justification the forgiveness of our past sins to eternal life but now having been freed from sin vis-a-vis -vis justified and enslaved to God you derive your benefit 
resulting in sanctification or holiness and the outcome eternal life we have justification sanctification and then salvation biblically faith in God is the first step in our walk with God and his Messiah Yeshua the justification which follows our faith allows us to start fresh it is a jubilee condition a yuval a, a, the moment when all debts are forgiven and everything returns to what it was faith in the justification that follows is the first step in our walk with God but a walk with God most certainly implies more than one step as faith results in justification justification is designed to lead a man or a woman to sanctification or holiness which results in eternal, eternal life the word in Hebrew kadosh as I mentioned thousands of times means to be separate to separate out something and make it holy to dedicate it to God in a scriptural context the woman caught in adultery was justified she was forgiven by Yeshua who then exhorts, exhorts her to sin no more to be holy to stop what she's doing and choose a different path now, I don't suspect that she stopped from all sin. I don't even think that's capable while in this, in this vessel. However, although we are not told what happened to this woman, I believe she no longer committed that particular sin again. Now, I have nothing at all to base that on. That is pure speculation. There's no scriptures that refer to this. This is just a thought that I have, a belief that I have about this particular woman. It's based on another woman I will deal with in just a moment. Those who have been forgiven much love much. In Luke chapter 7, a woman of ill repute, which is a really um, nice way of saying whore, a woman of ill repute kneels before Yeshua, weeping and anointing his feet with perfume. The Pharisee, whom Yeshua is visiting, he thinks to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this is. Yeshua was a prophet. And Yeshua did know what kind of woman this is and Yeshua did know what he was thinking and his response to the Pharisee is simply delicious in the ears of those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of, of God do you see this woman I entered your house you gave me no water for my feet but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her with her hair you gave me no kiss but she since the time I have come in here has not ceased 
to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. And for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who loves little, loves little. Ah, oh, an extraordinary parable. The implications are endless. Yeshua then justifies her by these words. Your sins have been forgiven. She's now justified. All of that, that's past. You have just experienced the year of Jubilee. You have returned to your previous condition. The one who was Tameh, defiled by sin, was made Tahor, clean, undefiled. And it was done through the words of life, spoken by the master of life. I don't have to imagine her joy upon hearing Yeshua's words. I experienced that same joy when I heard them. I need no imagination for this. We don't hear anything about this woman, any, anything further about this woman either. But it is my belief that after hearing the words of life, the words of Yeshua, this slave to sin became a slave to righteousness, resulting in holiness. We see this happen in many places. That forgiveness of much produces love, which produces the desire to remain in that condition. Although justification is a free gift, a pronouncement by the, the, the utter mercy of God, sanctification involves us. I have to choose who I'm going to serve. The man who sits here today would be unrecognizable to you if you saw me in the 1950s and the 1960s. You, would, you wouldn't recognize me. And it has nothing to do with the color of my hair and the wrinkles in my face. The forgiveness of my past actions is designed to excite my de desire to remain in a righteous condition because there is peace in that condition. And that decision to, to walk in a path of holiness affects my future. The straight or righteous path leads me deeper into God's presence. And as I draw closer to God, the more his holy presence is absorbed by me. And once I have chosen a, a path of righteousness, I have left my life as a slave to sin and am now a servant of righteousness. And I am governed by the rules of the road. The, I'm governed by the rules of the path of righteousness. That straight and narrow path. There are things I am allowed to do and there are things I am not allowed to do. 
if I'm going to stay on that road. Each step towards God will consecr consecrate or separate this house, this vessel, more to the service of God. What was mundane is now holy, dedicated to God's service. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Justification and salvation are not the same. We'll get into this more next week. The saints of Tanakh were justified by their faith. They weren't saved. Avraham had to wait for the appearance of Yeshua. He looked forward to it. I looked back upon it. But that reconciliation with God came on the cross. And the life of Yeshua is what gave this vessel life, his resurrection. We were justified by the sacrifice of another who was born and given the name Yeshua, salvation. Holiness is achieved by the life of Yeshua dwelling within me, John 14. Leading and guiding my actions in a process of holiness, a process of sanctification that is transforming this vessel into a holy house of God that that contains the light of his presence. Romans 6 speaks to the process of sanctification. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace might abound? If my sin causes God's grace to be bestowed many during the first century as today. Your sin brings more of God's grace. And Paul asked the question. It's rhetorical. But just in case you don't get it, he answers. Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid. <clears throat> How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who've gone through the mikvah, who have been immersed, who have been baptized, we have been baptized into Yeshua's death. And therefore, we have been buried with him through the baptism into death, so that as the Messiah was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we, too, might walk in the newness of life. When I went through that mikvah, the man who went into those waters is not the man who rose up out of them. My life changed dramatically. As I look back over my life, my time on earth, I can see the newness of life revealed in me since 1972 when I first came to faith.
when I was first justified and had my sins forgiven. The transformation of this sinner into a vessel sanctified to God has been often painful and always arduous. I've heard some talk about, well, it, it, it was easy uh, after I came to faith. I gave up all, everything, and it was, it was not, not hard. Hard for me. And though I have stumbled often, he has always been there to catch me, to keep me from falling completely. When I doubt, he reveals himself in ways that affirm my faith in him, and I am overwhelmed by his love, his grace, his mercy. It passes all understanding for me. I am deeply saddened when I cause him to weep, as he did when he stood on a hill and overlooked Jerusalem. Jerusalem, O oh Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. The Lord has wept over me in that same way. And when he does, his tears remind me of the one who justified me, who forgave me, who lifted me up from the, the dung heap and as the woman of Ill, Ill repute, I can only fall at his feet and worship him. Once I was just justified, I desired to be sanctified. I heard the words of James, faith without works, dead, nothing. And the narcissist, the self-centered one, the one who only thought about his own pleasure, then began to live a life dedicated to serving others. To serving God through serving others is a better way to put it. I began to store up my treasures, not here, as I had previously, but in heaven. Perfect example. I remember the day it happened. It's not just an illustration. It was an event in my life. If you find a wallet filled with money, you have a choice to make at that moment. You can choose to follow God, or you can choose to follow the desires of your own heart. If you seek treasures here, you'll keep that treasure. You'll keep the money. If you seek to store up treasure in heaven, you will return the wallet, you will return the money, and you will take that opportunity to speak to that person about the God who compels you to walk in such a fashion. And you will declare his name. And trust me, the scriptures do not lie. In doing so, Yeshua will declare your name before his Father. Amen. Wisdom is vindicated by her children. Next week I will look at the words salvation and glory.
glorification. And I ask that you allow the words that I spoke tonight. I, I really don't care if you agree or disagree. It, for me, this is irrelevant. I would ask that you allow those, these words to percolate in your soul, to give thought to them, to understand the nature of these various steps, these various times of your life, to look back, to see how These words have affected your life over the course of your walk with God or for however many years you have. Your eyes will be opened. You will see the footprints of Mashiach either in front of you, behind you, or to either side. For the Lord is there. Father, in Yeshua's name. For those whom you have come and justified, for those whom you have forgiven, there is simply not enough to do to show you our appreciation. There are not enough ways to sing your praise. I pray, Lord God, that with each passing day, the light of your presence increases in us until that, that glory of your presence is a blazing fire that everyone can see. And having seen the works that emanate from that fire, that they will give glory to your, to your holy name. Lord, you, you will be worshipped by your, your holy ones, your saints, for all eternity. You did what no other could do. We praise you this night, Lord God, in dance and in music, with hands raised. You are the gracious one. In Yeshua's name. Amen.